drink a beer, plant a tree, get sued? Stone's Berlin Taproom closes. Blames fucking Germans and their fucking tasty beer. Stone Brewing wins lawsuits. No Miller Coors wins lawsuits. No Stone! Miller Coors! Stone! Fucking it's all beer! Welcome to It's All Beer, Craft Beer News, idiosyncrasies in the uh, in the industry, and all things fermented. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. How are you doing today, Tyler? Uh, doing excellent. Drinking a beer. What beer are we drinking today? Uh, so we've got Oscar Blues Barrel Age 1050 from 2017. That's nice. Thank you. A nice uh, a light beer for our first uh, inaugural episode, I, oh, yeah. I feel. I mean, it's almost two, so we should be good. <laughs> so... Before we get started, uh, I feel like it'd be a good idea to introduce ourselves a little and talk about what we're trying to do here. Um, Tyler, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Uh, So, my background, I graduated from Boise State University uh, with my degree in marketing. Um, During that time of going to Boise State, I worked at a local homebrew shop here in the Treasure Valley uh, where I met Jeremy. Uh, Been homebrewing about six years now. Uh, now I currently work for a local brewery here in the Treasure Valley, doing outside sales. And it was at that uh, that homebrew shop we kind of we would we would read the new read the beer news and begin to riff on what we what we had read and have interesting discussions that to this day are almost legend in uh, in that shop. And it's all beer. <laughs> so we, we got the idea to hey we should put a mic in between us and do the same thing, preferably funnier. Yeah, uh, why don't we hear a little bit about your backstory, Jeremy? Well, after that homebrew store, I went to work at a, at a grocery store as their uh, wine steward for a while. But now I'm back nestled into the uh, beer-filled amniotic sack of uh, the craft beer retail business. I'm working at a uh, tap room, bottle shop, and uh, homebrew store as their craft beer expert. And uh, things are good. Learning the uh, learning the retail side of things and, uh, and selling a lot of beer. Let's get started in the first topic. So we've got the Miller Coors versus, or the Stone versus Miller Coors lawsuit debacle that's been going on for 14 months now over Miller Coors' use of Stone on their Keystone Light cans infringing on Stone's trademark. That's right. About uh, about April of last year, uh, uh, Steve Cook, uh, sorry, Greg Cook, came out uh, on uh, YouTube announcing that they were going to sue Miller Coors. Uh, demanding they put the key back in uh, Keystone, it uh, was a, it was a brief sensation which caused grumblings and and or celebration among uh, craft beer. But uh, they res- they got depending on your uh, point of view either a minor victory or a minor defeat or absolutely nothing uh, just a little while ago. Yeah, it was crazy. So last week, I want to say on uh, two weeks ago, actually on Thursday. They both seem to declare victory at the same time on social media, um, which caused both of us to go, who actually won? So we decided to dive in a little deeper onto this. That's right. On March 27th, uh, Stone Brewing tweeted, uh, the court outright rejected Millicore's primary defense that Keystone's, that Keystone's new packaging is unlikely to cause confusion. This is a milestone event, no pun intended. We're heading to trial to prove that corporate beer has made hundreds of million dollars from rebranding Keystone. Yeah, well, upon further research, uh, there were a couple articles that came out talking about the judge's decision. Uh, so it actually 
look like the so the judge denied their preliminary injunction that they had filed against Miller Coors, uh, which basically just means that this is actually going to go to trial. Um, I found an article from Craft Brewing Business uh, written by Keith Gribbs where he actually talked to a lawyer who specializes in brewery trademarks. Um, the two things he really kind of drove home is that Stone has to prove two things to prove trademark infringement. One, that it has a protectable interest in the mark. And two, that Miller Coors' use of the mark will likely is likely to cause consumer confusion. Um, Stone was able to have the judge agree that they had a strong trademark, but he denied the preliminary injunction. So basically said, yes, but it's not doing irreparable damage right now. So we're not going to force them to do it immediately. We're going to take this to trial. And so, Tyler, as our official uh, legal expert on the podcast, what, if anything, does this fucking mean? Uh, basically, it means I feel you almost need a damn law degree to be in craft beer right now. But, so the judge ruled that Stone's trademark infringement claim against Miller Coors is only moderately strong. It'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. Um, with this ruling, according to the article... The judge ruled that Stone's case is only moderately strong and Stone will now have to at trial prove that um, Miller Coors has provided consumer confusion to the average consumer, not the craft beer geek, because we all know we can tell the difference between the two cans, but to the average everyday customer who drinks beer. But Stone is sure that they have the evidence uh, uh, in, in, in a... Uh... In an article from the Escondido Grapevine, they added uh, a, that its award-winning, distinctively hoppy and bitter beer has been sold for over 20 years under the incontestable Stone Federal trademark, and that Miller Coors' rebranding of the and ongoing use of the mark Stone is, quote, wreaking havoc in the market, which I can't tell you how many times I've reached for an arrogant bastard and walked out with a case of Keystone. This, is, <laughs> this has become a problem, I think. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm sure of it. Uh, Miller Coors, very early, I think they're the only the only word they ever had on it was this is basically horseshit and a publicity stunt, which is so, what I pick up from about sixty to fifty to sixty percent of the craft beer uh, uh, market as well. What do you think about that? Is it? I totally think this is a marketing stunt. If it ends up getting them to have to rebrand, cool. If not, it has a shit ton of people talking about Stone. Let's be honest, we're sitting here talking about it ourselves. Uh, because actually, if you look on the can and how he holds the can in every single video he does, they have a small word key on the can. It is just big stone and then key in small letters, and he's actually blocking it with his fingers on the can. Just to play devil's advocate, I mean, there is, in copyright law, and I only know this watching this go down with several breweries, if you don't defend your copyright you risk losing it. So there oh, is an 100%. element. And Stone is in the right doing this because it. if you don't defend it, you lose it. And that's why the judge is letting the trial continue on is because they are doing everything that they need to be. So it's kind of stupid. But if anything, it's a lot of marketing, except you're paying lawyers instead of ad agencies. 
that's a better bang for your buck, I think. I mean, <laughs> well, and I and I can't help but wonder what victory looks like for Stone. I don't think you're going to get to the point where you get them to change their packaging or erase the great big loud stone, but maybe they're just trying to be sandy little buttholes in uh, to Miller Coors, which is kind of a victory, uh, you know. A, company of that size versus stone i mean stone is a giant in the uh, in the craft beer world but in the uh, grand scheme of things they are nowhere near the size of miller cores and just being an irritating little boil on their ass is a, kind of a, a tempting victory at least for me i mean you take what you can get all right well we'll leave uh, that bit of stone news for now and uh more stone news now so stone announced uh uh uh, on April 5th, that they are closing their uh, brewery in uh, or tap room in Berlin. Um, from uh, stonebrewing.com and uh, Greg Cook, my heart is broken, it'll mend, but I'm going to let it be broke for a bit. I love Berlin, and when you love something, it's bound to frustrate you, frustrate you at times. And anyone who's been in craft beer knows that very well. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it it kind of com- came off guard, caught me off guard a little, but didn't. I mean, I hadn't heard much over the past year or so about the Berlin facility, but I figured I don't live over in Europe, so that's probably why I'm not hearing about it. And then when I saw that coming, I was like, oh, I guess that experiment failed. I guess it didn't really surprise me either. I always wondered how uh, how Europeans would respond to American craft beer, and especially Germany, because you think of, you think of uh, uh, beer parts of Europe, you think of two names— Germany and Belgium, maybe to a lesser extent the Czech Republic, but Germany and Belgium are the are the powerhouses in uh, in European beer, and they have such a big tradition. And Germans, being very traditional people, I always wondered if that would go over well, and apparently not terribly. It doesn't look like it. I mean, they. I think they just went too wild and crazy from the get go. Is my personal opinion. I mean, when you're trying to invade a country that has a goddamn beer purity law, all the wild one-off stuff that Stone does that seems to be like a one in four is a good beer, the other three, eh, a little subject. Um, I could see there being mixed reaction over there, and with how much money they dumped into that facility and all the construction delays that they had, I think they were doomed from the get-go. Well, and it's interesting you say that because that was one of the reasons that uh, Greg Cook uh, uh, attributed to its closing. Um, on BeverageDaily.com, uh, he was quoted as saying, Ultimately, the project turned out to be too big, too bold, and too early in our growth curve in Europe. Sure, in hindsight, maybe we should have started smaller, aimed for the tree line instead of for the stars, which is, that's a very stone way of putting it. I mean, if you were the brewery whose flagship beer is Arrogant Bastard, yeah, it sounds like what you would... How you would describe it's not our fault. It's it was Europe. They weren't ready for the grandioseness that is stone. They weren't ready for our great big gargoyle dick. Yeah, I mean it was. It seemed from the get go that they were arrogant. That everyone was going to love their beer way more. I mean, uh, in an article Brewbound posted about this, uh, there's actually a quote in there that said uh, that Cook said during the building back in mid-2014. So he said, Once open, we will bring Germany and the rest of Europe a taste of our craft beer vision and look forward to sharing the unique beers that we have spent the last 18 years brewing. I get he didn't come out and say anything overly arrogant, but from the tone, 
and the tone of Stone's marketing, it just feels there's we're better. Bit. There's a little bit. There's just a little bit. We all know how how well Europeans respond to American arrogance. <laughs> it's basically a, 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 the catnip. Yeah. I, I honestly think BrewDog will do much better in that facility because they already have a presence in Europe being based out of Scotland. Yeah. And if they also attributed to... Um, to uh, the Germans not being willing to give up their their cheaper beer. Uh, it was mentioned a few times in a few articles that Germany actually has the cheapest beer of any uh, country in Western Europe. And as a fan of German beer, I mean, I'm thinking Andex, I'm thinking Eyinger, I'm thinking Weistefaner. I don't think that they're shipping their good stuff here. That means that that's their that's their equivalent of Bud Light. That's their equivalent of Coors is stuff like the Eyinger Irvice. So, and if I'm drinking that shit, I could kind of see where, you know, the upstart out of the United States really doesn't interest me. No, I, I get that, but I I don't know if it's quite the beer prices that were the thing. I mean, look back when Anheuser-Busch and Miller Coors and Schlitz were the big dogs in the American craft beer scene. And they were the cheapest, and everyone said, if no brewery upstart's going to make it in America because you can't compete with that. And now look. True, but I'm, I think putting Pabst and Budweiser up against the German beers is a bit of a, is a, is a bit of apples, oranges, and something much better than either of those two. Because you, if I could drink uh, uh, the Reistag Kolsch every day for Bud Light prices, I probably would. But it's when you're basing it solely off cost, it, that's where you can start making that argument. Fair enough. And uh, the last thing he attributed to, and I did not know this, but apparently there was a documentary. Again, it, this is the almost classic stone. There was a documentary, uh, 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 Beer Jesus from America, that documented <laughs> that documented their uh, their attempt to build the brewery. But um, uh, Berlin contractors, apparently tough to work with. Apparently. It, I think I saw somewhere that they almost implied they're more crooked than American contractors. Which, I mean, Germans do everything a little more, a little better and more precise. I think that's just their way. <laughs> even, even institutional corruption. He mentioned it uh, in in the statement. Any any time you attempt to build something the size of scope of Stone Berlin, you're going to run into unexpected challenges. My career is nothing but a long list of them. The Ber our Berlin contractors simply couldn't or wouldn't do this, and it cost us dearly. After talking with fellow business owners in Berlin, it seems like we're not alone in this experience. He basically goes, if it was raining, they stopped work. If they had a question, they stopped work. If they didn't want to do it work that day, they stopped work. If they didn't get enough beer that day, they stopped work. Which, okay, I can see how that would add up costs after a while. So I just happened to see a tweet that someone had, that the Brewbound article had shared. Uh, it was from a Twitter user called Patrick McKee. And it goes, Germans to Stone, we don't like your beer, and it's expensive. Stone, well, you're wrong. Germans, nothing. Stone, we're going out of business. <laughs> I think that summed it up about perfect. I think we're going to do any better than that. AB InBev news now. Oh, yeah. So, funny enough, I stopped in to have a beer at Jeremy's current place of employment a couple weeks ago. And... I was like, oh, have you seen the new beer floating around called Patagonia? And I had not. And I said, isn't that a clothing company? And I said, I thought so too. I wonder if they're the ones behind making it because if you, for every like case they sold, they'd plant a tree. 
And I was like, that seems up Patagonia's alley. That seems uh, that seems on brand. Pray tell, Tyler, was it Patagonia that's releasing that beer? No. So Patagonia apparently partnered with a beer with Hopworks Urban Brewing got a Portland a while back. And I was like, so as I'm doing my research, I was like, okay, so that's not them. Must just be a company called Patagonia. Well, it turns out that company was Anheuser-Busch. Anheuser-Busch, according to the CNN article I found, got approved for the trademark to make a beer named Patagonia in 2012. They hung on to that name until 2018 when they decided to start making that beer. Um, Patagonia, the clothing company, found out and decided to file a lawsuit for trademark infringement. Now we've covered uh, we've covered AB InBev a little bit up to up to this point, or at least we mentioned it in one of the trailers. Uh, their spat against Miller Coors, um, being a, being kind of a shit house company. So, what exactly is the basis of this? I mean, you know, obviously they both have the name Patagonia, but they're in different industries. Is it can they get around that because they're different? They're in beer. Well, I'm glad that you asked because. Uh, the whole branding of the Patagonia beer uh, is kind of that rugged outdoors. Uh, they use a silhouette of a mountain and the word Patagonia in bold lettering, similar to how Patagonia brands their clothing. Shock and awe. Oh, yeah. What makes it actually worse is, according to Patagonia, the clothing company, AB InBev has been selling the beer and its own Patagonia-branded apparel at pop-up stores at ski resorts, which is the clothing company's territory. So what they're basically saying is that AB InBev is trying to do everything to make customers assume that it is the clothing company selling this beer, not Anheuser-Busch. Why in the hell is Budweiser even doing this? This is bizarre. It sounds to me like, all right, we have this name, we want to do something with it. Oh, there's this clothing company. Oh, well, maybe we should keep a, a far, far away from them. No, wait, let's not do let that. Let's do the exact opposite of that. We have, <laughs> there's no way this can possibly end poorly for us. Yeah, I, I don't get it. And I didn't even realize that AB was behind it. So I feel a little duped as a pretty big craft beer fan. I knew the local Budweiser distributor here was the one selling it. But I was like, oh, they must have brought in the brand. Didn't think that. No, it was just AB actually producing this and distributing it this is one of those i mean is this like supposed to be like a craft brand like there i ran into uh i ran into this other beer when i was living in the midwest um and i want to call it i want to say it was like steampunk beer or diesel punk beer and they made it was really really marginal and when i looked it up it was i think i think it was a miller Coors a product that they just made and tried to pretend that it was craft beer is that what this is is I'm assuming it's one of their crafty brands that they have, kind of like Miller Coors has Blue Moon. They're just trying to do this, and they're trying to make AB also, from what I can see in the article, uh, trying to make themselves look more environmentally friendly with this beer brand. If you take a look at, they have both the logos in this article from CNN up, you can see it's... The mountain's a little different, but that's pretty. I mean, if I'm, I'm I, it's a for, different angle on the mountain. Ch- check out Patagonia on CNN Business, but you you look at that, and you go, yeah, that pretty much looks exactly like that beer was produced by the clothing company or got it contracted. So, um, 
that's that's stunning to me. What they, do they just not care? We're gonna we bought America, so that's fine. So we can do whatever we want. Yeah, and according CNN Business reached out to AB and Bev, and AB's rep got back to them and said, "We are aware of this lawsuit and believe it to be without merit. We will vigorously defend our trademark rights." So they're just doubling down that they're not in the wrong. Well, if I, mean, I guess if that uh, that whole corn syrup thing doesn't work out for them, then they can. That I'm looking forward to a Super Bowl ad of them just uh, uh, going after Patagonia. You know, you can make your clothing. We're gonna go over here and brew some golden suds, and then it's just <laughs> some guy in a in a beard just weeping silently to himself. Craft Brewers Conference news now. Uh, the Craft Brewers Conference in full swing, and uh, the uh, the I found the, I found it interesting that their their key mar- their keynote uh, speeches was. Was I, I, there's something interesting there? So they uh, they came out, and among other things, they're inviting uh, craft brewers to unite together under a political action committee, a, a PAC, to essentially um, raise money together so that they can uh, they can influence legislation. The first thing I thought was, "Oh, the craft beer industry already trying to buy our own senators." I they mean, why so be quickly. a senator when you can buy one? I mean, fair enough. That's that, that's that, that's good point. But I mean. They're doing that in order to uh, to uh, keep some tax cuts that have been benefiting the industry re- recently, and it's kind of a show of industry uh, uh, in- industry uh, uh, collaboration and unification. Um, the uh, one of the co-founders of Left Hand Brewing, especially Eric Wallace, uh, had a few things that stuck out in this article. And this article came out of Brewbound um, during a speech. He came out and said that Anheuser-Busch and Miller Coors, referring to the little high school spat we uh, talked about earlier, the the corn syrup versus rice uh, beer wars. <laughs> Does it ever get old? Never. <laughs> he he, uh, he uh, discussed that and, and how the smaller breweries shouldn't... Uh, we shouldn't be taking broadsides at each other like them. You know, let the let the big guys have their spat, and we'll try to try to come together and uh, and and create a functional industry. He called basically called any brewery that uh, sold out to Anheuser Busch and Miller Coors as weapons in the arsenal of big business. Which I don't. Know, I want to stop there for a second. What do you think about that? Is that? I mean, it a hundred percent is. I mean, y- you look. The reason they were buying those up is because they were. Very popular, rapidly growing breweries, and Anheuser Busch and Miller Coors were losing market share, so wanted to try to stop the bleeding. So started buying breweries, and don't put anywhere on it that oh, this is owned by AB InBev or brewed at this location or done this and this. They're like, oh yeah, no, this is still the same craft brewery that you know and love. Don't look over here. <laughs> you know, Lysian famously making corporate beer sucks. Several several months after they got bought, which I still thought was funny. I have a picture of that somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> which that's cute. Um, but he, uh, yeah, he called he called any of he called the acquisitions weapons in the in the uh, arsenal of big breweries. And then he said this uh, seven thousand three hundred craft brewers. Uh, he referred to them as anarchist cats, which. What the hell does that even mean? <laughs> you ever get cats to try to follow an order? Well, I mean, I guess you're just <laughs> saying it's redundant. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> the anarchist cats, ahoy. Yeah. Go after the Miller Coors and, uh, and AB InBev. Yeah, good luck trying to organize them. That That's where <laughs> he kind of contradicts himself, in my opinion. He says, 
it's anarchist cats. But before that, he's like, we all need to band together. And I'm like, you do realize that you're talking to a group of people that want to do it their own way. That's true. I didn't think about that. But there is there is something very poignant to that because craft brew craft brewers are not people who tend to take instruction well or uh, or, or or go along with the crowd. They are very much no. I'm going to do this thing because I want to now. Yeah, but on playing a little devil's advocate here, this is the one industry where collaboration does play a huge part in it where you will have a competing brewery be like hey uh we need to borrow 10 pounds of hops we're short uh yeah oh come over we'll loan you these hops till you get your next hop shipment in and then just pay us back or let's do this beer together because we're good friends we like to have a beer with each other so there is a little ebb and flow to it there's a lot of that because especially in the local scene i know that they'll get together and they'll make a big order of grain and save on shipping they'll make a big order of kegs and save on shipping and manufacturing and and uh, and help each other out because i don't think craft brewers see each other as a competition i mean to a certain extent they are i mean obviously if someone's drinking your beer there's not you're not drinking theirs but it's almost it's kind of what he's reinforcing. It's it's craft against the big companies, mm-hmm. and if any anybody who's drinking craft beer is going to drink a lot of going to drink from a lot of breweries, and we're pulling them away from Miller Coors and and Anheuser Busch. I was going to say, I mean, it's the saying: a high tide raises all ships. It's with craft beer. Most craft beer fans don't drink the same beer over and over and over and over. They want to go try the new crazy thing. No, in fact, the frustrating thing about trying to sell beer is that as soon as you find something that sort of kind of works, your customers go, that was delicious, but now what else do you have? Yep. So that makes it where the craft breweries, at least from my perspective in the industry, we don't see each other as competitors. We see each other as allies because the more bars that start adding more and more craft beer handles and less and less domestic handles is better for the whole industry. Fair enough. And uh, Wallace kind of uh, ended in this article, uh, ended the thought if uh, if Big Beer wants to go at it tooth and nail over such matters, and we're, again, referring to corn syrup, I think, um, he said that's their prerogative. But that's not our fight. We will not join in. We will not gloat. We're going to gloat a little. I'm, I think we're going to gloat just a tad. We'll poke the bear. <laughs> we remain committed to growing an overall category of beer, just like we have been for the last thirty years. So that's 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 a nice uh, that's a nice statement. I thought. Go anarchist cats. Let's go kitties. <laughs> Tyler, anything else? Uh, no, I think that about wraps it up here this week. Go out, drink a beer. All right. Well, that this has been it's all beer. Uh, uh, Greg Cook or anybody else uh, who wants who has a beef with us at this point in time and. Cook, I'm definitely looking in your direction. Uh, you can get a hold of us on Twitter. Your delicious IPA sucked. <laughs> Tyler's a big fan of delicious IPA. It should be noted. We didn't make that uh, in the trailers, but uh, uh, Greg Cook, if you really want to piss Tyler off, send him a case of delicious IPA. <laughs> just, just saying. <laughs> and you can get a hold of us at Twitter, on Facebook at It's All Beer, or by email at itsallbeer at gmail.com. Music was uh, Retro Future Dirty by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Be sure to leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcast app of choice. It just takes a moment to click five stars, and let's face it, this is worth five stars. And if you can leave a little comment, that's nice too. Uh, 
That's all from us. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. Let's go drink a beer. Yeah.